0: Welcome to the Godspeed Institute, an enlightening and positive forum exploring all the world's religions and spiritual belief systems as an on-air classroom in an effort to help people better understand each other, promote tolerance, and foster peace. I'm your host, Care Hollandbeck. Mary Lou Quinlan is a best-selling author, marketer, and speaker and has been hailed as the nation's foremost authority on women. She is the author of three breakthrough books, including What She's Not Telling You, Time Off for Good Behavior, and Just Ask a Woman. She's written inspirational features for Real Simple, Oh! The Oprah Magazine, and a monthly career advice column for more. She's appeared as a correspondent on the CBS Early Show, among many media appearances. Her latest book is The God Box, Sharing My Mother's Gift of Faith, Love, and Letting Go, which we will explore here today. Mary Lou holds an MBA from Fordham University and an honorary doctorate in communications from her alma mater, St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia, where she earned a BA in English. Mary Lou, welcome to the program, and thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Care. I'm delighted to be with you.
0: And I find speaking with you a really special opportunity as this show happens to be airing on Mother's Day And that'll be a theme, motherhood, that we'll discuss uh, today. So just uh, as a beginning place to all the family and friends and and any women in your life, happy Mother's Day.
1: Beautiful day. A beautiful day, whether you have your mom with you, if you're lucky that way, or you don't. It's still a day of memories and, and love, really.
0: Now, I'm really looking forward to discussing The God Box, your book, and The God Box Project. Um, But first, why don't we start off, you know, at a beginning place and tell us a little bit about your early life. Were you raised in a spiritual household?
1: Uh, Well, yes, we were raised uh, Catholic, which uh, is what our family is. And always growing up, it was mom, you know, uh, that I remember most who taught us to pray and, you know, praying for all mom and dad and nanny and pop-pop and President John F. Kennedy when I was growing up. And um, we, my mother was always gently inserting spirituality in our days, you know, and if we were glum or wishing we won something or got a part in a school play, whatever it might be, uh, she'd always say, did you ask, you know, and she was, she was always encouraging us to, to ask and to pray for things that we wanted as opposed to carrying them around on our, our little shoulders. Um, but I would say in our whole home, mom, um, her name was Mary Finlayson, she was really the keeper of uh, spirituality in our home for all of us.
0: Mm, She carried the torch. She did. She did. She had, I mean, she was always
1: in in the Catholic faith going to novenas and saying prayers to St. Jude, and she'd do the little things which might seem superstitious to an outsider, but they were sweet, like aiming the Blessed Mother statue out the window if she wanted sunshine or praying to St. Anthony if we lost something, (laughs) you know, she'd say if somebody was trying to sell a house, oh, you are trying to sell your house, you just take that St. Joseph statue and bury him in the yard out front, and it'll sell right away. So she had lots of little ways of just bringing uh, God and love and prayer into our everyday, not heavy-handed, just uh, very full of joy.
0: Those are very handy tips. Um, I I find, you know, people wonder, they've asked me if I'm especially close to St. Anthony because I I never have a problem finding a parking space in Camden, Maine in the summer. (laughs) (laughs) You must be connected. There's just always one there. Um, okay, so, so you know, faith played a, a gentle but consistent role in your childhood. How did it help to form you as you got a little older and uh, in terms of making decisions and, and the kind of vision that you held in, in mind for your life?
1: I would say that uh, a lot of the, the faith was reinforced uh, in school because I went to Catholic grade school and high school. And I would say the lessons that I learned from that um, were... Things that hold well in the real world. I um, certainly obedience and self control and perseverance, uh, never giving up, um, cooperating with other people, uh, courage. We were graded on courage as a little kid, and I think isn't that wonderful? You know, to to learn to be brave and to speak up for yourself and to be confident. And I would say that growing up in that environment, um, in schools that were big where you really had to stand up for yourself, and a city uh, taught me you know, to be strong and to speak up and to really believe I could be or do anything. I mean, that's what mom and dad always said to us. And, and my brother Jack and I really believed and, and tried to do them proud and, and their teachers. So it that kind of education has been a thread throughout my entire life.
0: Hmm. Thank you so much for that, that Mary Lou. That's such a great uh, and refreshing vision there. And I love getting graded on courage That's wonderful, considering all the character issues that kids have to learn. Uh, In today's world, so much is focused just purely on test scores and that kind of uh, achievement, which can become hollow uh, through the years if the child is not, you know, filling up from the inside, as it were.
1: Yeah, and I I think that those values and those grades were as important as the mathematics and reading and history and all were to us. Looking at that report card um, with you know hoping to get an A in something like perseverance was was more important than we could have known you know and and for that to be reinforced at home, which it was uh you know stick to it, try again if you didn't get it this time to get another if God closes the door, he opens a the window, these are the themes that I live by mm. and and that that optimism and belief in your own responsibility to uh, to put one foot in front of the other and give it your all mm. that Fabric of what I learned and what I try to live.
0: Mm. Thank you so much, Mary Lou. Now, how did you come to dedicate your work, your life's work, to women? Um, what inspired you um, to have that focus in your career?
1: Well, I would have to start with my mom because. My mom was a working woman outside the house, really, before any of the other moms on the block were. So I grew up in a house where my mom and dad went to work every day, and and she loved that independence and earning power and confidence that it gave her. Uh, So I had an affection for women from the get-go, but I also realized, and you know how sometimes in life you observe in the rearview mirror a trend that might not have seemed apparent when you were in the middle of it? In my (laughs) case, always, always
0: in the rearview mirror.
1: (laughs) It's so funny. You look back, you're like, wow, that all made sense, even though it didn't seem to. Hmm. Uh, The college that I went to, St. Joe's, when I started, it had been all male for 150 years. I was only the second class of women. And so when you are in that deep minority, it was a 17 to 1 ratio, men to women, I, I believe that focused my attention on the importance of speaking up as a woman and of helping women's voices be heard. Uh, I went from there to Avon, which is a company totally based on women's initiatives, you know, the women who sell Avon around the world. And, and uh, my job was to help motivate them. So I spent 10 years just trying to get underneath the skin of these amazing women who were really a volunteer sales force to help them feel recognized, loved, and, and motivated. And, and it only, it just continued into advertising where I was, uh, I moved quickly up the ranks in advertising agencies and was also the only woman and for a long time, you know, the youngest, but that's over. <laughs> and uh, during that time, uh, I, as the only woman in a management team of an agency, and I don't mean as bad as mad men, but but think of something that is pretty men's club, uh, I learned that by being a woman and standing my ground and, and never trying to be a mini-man that I could be more effective and distinctive and a lot of advertising is about that, you know, persuading people to your point of view with your own strength of conviction. So I've had a career where women have been the major theme and I felt in starting Just Ask a Woman, I would just put it all out there that I would listen to women around the country on behalf of corporations to help them be successful with them as consumers. So, um, I never get tired of listening to women and telling their stories and writing books about them because I think that women are fascinating and, of course, they are the extremely powerful consumers who buy 85% of everything that's sold. So who wouldn't want to focus
0: on them? Right, right. And and in addition to that, as you know very well, the home life, the character of, of children is, of course, very heavily formed by the mother figure in the house as well. Now, let's share the story now of the god box which is very moving um but why don't we begin to sort of unravel that and if you could share the the basic premise of what happened um with your mom and your experience and please take your time you you have the floor and uh, and let let's talk about that book
1: well my my mom was uh, my best friend my soulmate as i would say about her we were extremely close. We used to say to each other more, you know, more, 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 back and forth. It meant I love you more. And at the end of every phone conversation, we'd put our hands on the receiver and say, hands on, and that meant we're never apart. And that's how we felt, that we were never apart. And she was such a friend and such a motivator and role model and love in my life. That when she died, and it was pretty suddenly, I mean, she was older, but she was well, and went to a doctor's appointment, a regular checkup, and my dad said she turned to him and put her hand on his knee and said, stay with me, Ray. And he could see that a stroke was tearing her apart. And within three days in hospice, which I stayed with her through that, um, we lost her. And... I would say that she was the shine in our family, you know, and we didn't feel so shiny in the room without her. The room seemed too big without her, just Jack and Dad and me. And the day after she died, we're sitting there looking at each other, not knowing what to say, and my brother Jack said, where's Mom's God box? Now, we knew that Mom kept a God box because on top of all those other things that I mentioned That she did to find relief or hope or offer prayers, she found that she was such an empathetic person that she kept all her worries running around her head, you know, or on her shoulders. That happens in life, you know, we carry those worries. And and someone mentioned to her the idea of a God Box, and my mother adopted it, full force. And a God Box is really in a simple little nothing box, in her case, a little wicker box where whenever she had one of these worries or a wish, she'd grab a pen and any piece of paper that was handy, and it could be a a receipt, you know, a post-it, a napkin, anything. And she would date it, address it, dear God, write down whatever the concern, sign it, love Mary, fold it, put it in the little box and let it go and let it go to God. And so when Jack said, Where's Mom's God box? we thought, Oh my gosh, like where did she keep it? And I went looking in her room in her closet and when I reached up I found the wicker one and then for you know, whatever reason, I kept my hand up there and my hand hit another one and then another one and another one and another and there were ten god boxes. And we put them on the table and shared them with um my brother and my dad and we pulled out all the little slips of paper and what was stunning to us is that the first one uh, was written just 2006 and the last one, uh, the one that I deeply found in the pile was from 1986, 20 years Uh, and you're looking at these little pieces of paper thinking this is every single wish worry, mountain, molehill, every decision, every a household, a baby born, uh, a scrape knee, you know, cancer. I mean, it went the gamut uh, of every little thing the mother aches for, for her kids and her friends, and, and uh, like a love letter to us uh, in a thousand pieces. And so that discovery of the God Box and the depth of her love was so overwhelming to me that I knew I needed to tell her story. And that was why I wrote the book.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Mary Lou. I love that phrase. It was a love letter to us. When when we look at prayer uh, in her her relationship with God, it's a very very beautiful and and astute comment that the prayers amounted to a, lo- a love letter.
1: To yes, the, and to the, way, the family. She wrote it that way. You know, she wrote it to God that way. If you were to read all of them, um, they are simple. The way you write to a friend, and and she signed them "Love, Mary." and She'd say, if it's okay with you, you know, just the way you would communicate simply with someone that you really, really trusted and loved.
0: Yes, a, a real friend, like a per- close personal friend. Um, now, did the discovery of all of these boxes and, and every, everything you came across, was this really quite a surprise to you? What did What did you learn from this or realize about your mom?
1: It was a surprise because, you know, when I would visit mom, they they lived in Florida when they retired. And... Every once in a while, Mom would say, let me get the God box out. And then she'd start pulling out pieces of paper, and I'd be, you know, oh, that was solved, or i don't worry about that anymore. So it was as if she was cleaning it out. So I didn't have the sense that there were many, because she was keeping up with it. So seeing that it had been going on for so long was the first feeling. The second one was how much she cared about things that I might have just muttered on a phone call. Oh, I'm worried about this little thing. I wonder what will happen with that. She took it to heart. And she took it to God. So to me, that was stunning to know that her reaction to life's concerns wasn't to just say, oh, that's I'm sorry, good luck, you know, I'll say a right. prayer for you. We, we all say that, you know, but do we? She did. That's mm. why the paper was so fascinating. You know, it was like she wrote on the back of a Ruby Tuesday's coaster. You know, she wrote on a... <laughs> like my dad's prescriptions, like receipts in the grocery store. And I could tell, I could see her life, you know what I mean? As things happened immediately, her first instinct, not her later one, was to go straight to God with it. Mm.
0: And you know, that's, it's wonderful, because not only does the writing down of it and putting it in the box, you know, work as prayer, it also is a relief, because it being written and in the box, she doesn't she doesn't have to carry it on her our, on our mind so much um, because worry, especially the worrisome, you know, to, to share that and, and to write it down and, and, and hand it all over literally what she was doing. When we talk, we hear the phrase, turn it over or, you know, give it to God. She was literally doing that with her little pieces of paper and it's, and it's marvelous. I'm sure there were some things you came across as a family that, that, you know made you laugh or made you cry or reading these things, I imagine you know help help Mary Lou as a you know like she's snapping at me like a teenager these days <laughs> or something you <laughs> yeah. know um yeah, you know
1: she, she actually um the ones that I thought were so funny, she had the one you know, dear God, please let the Pergo floor be the right choice, love Mary, you know, I guess she was <laughs> worried about a, a flooring thing, and then she mm-hmm. had um even ones you know she did not um pull punches. She had one, get rid of Jack's boss. He's a jerk. That's how she wrote. You know? Or she she had one um, that was when I was writing my um, first book. She appealed directly to St. Anthony on that one. Dear St. Anthony, please find a publisher for Mary Lou's book. And then since she figured that was a breeze, she writes, P.S., get her on Oprah, Good Morning America, (laughs) and The View. Love, Mary. (laughs) It It was just so funny because she just was honest and simple just the way a mother feels. And and so those, those were, you know, the kind of cheer you up uh, when you're lost as we were. But there were also ones that um, were so revealing about her intuition, about what her kids were going through, even when we didn't articulate it.
0: Well, yeah, you know, had I was... a...
1: go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, she said a lot about my career, a lot. Huh. Um, most of them, please let Mary Lou not be so stressed. Too much stress. She should no. quit. Too much, too much. And she wrote, even on my business card, when I was head of the advertising agency, please, a new job for Mary Lou. Hmm. And what was interesting about that was that it was dated the year that, if I were to say, was there a point in my career where I burned out? That was it, 1998. And she had it on there. So even though she was trying to keep me cheerful as I did my thing every day, working a million hours and going crazy, she knew that this was not where I should be in my life, and I just love that she, she never made me feel guilty, but she
0: was going straight to the source to try to fix the problem. Mm. That's that's great. You know, uh, as an author on the saints, <laughs> I never thought to pray to them for good PR. <laughs> so <laughs> I, think, uh, <laughs> I think I think your mom is your mom is helping me here to you know look at things a little differently. Um, in, in terms of, she these... got two
1: out of three. Actually, I was on the View, and I is that great? And I was on. More America, and so I'm, I'm still waiting for my my Oprah turn. But I haven't given up since I know mom never would. <laughs> there, there you go. There you
0: go. Now, okay. So now I, I've already seen how your mom has helped me. How did these prayers and the God boxes? How have they helped you uh, in your life in terms of now? Okay, you 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 understood faith and spirituality growing up in this way. Uh, how do you apply that now? What you learned from your mom from the God box?
1: I would say that the Biggest lesson in the guide box was seeing how often Mom took her concerns to God, and that's different than the way I was. I am somebody who grew up with a career of uh, control and thinking. I'll just, I'll just ask in emergencies. I'm just going to ask when things get really, really dire, as opposed to what my mom did, I I say she inhaled a worry, she exhaled a prayer, as you know, as natural as breathing, simple. And I do a better job, I'm still not her in any way, but of reminding myself, why are you worrying about that? Why are you not asking for help? Instead of thinking you can fix it yourself. And so I will, sometimes I write them down, and sometimes I sit in the garden that I devoted to my mom, and I ask and say thank you, and I pray in there. And that's not something that I would have been doing before. I wouldn't have stopped to breathe. I would have tried to fix, and now I stop to ask.
0: Mm. Is that where you're, you're sitting right now, is, is by that garden?
1: I am. Mm-hmm. I didn't know yeah. the birds were coming through. It's just, it's a beautiful May day with mm. uh, dogwood and lilac and wisteria, and it's stunning mm-hmm. and uh my mom, except for the fact that she was allergic, would have loved it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now, how long did she pass away, Mary Lou? It's, it's seven years this seven month. Seven years. It's 29. Mm-hmm. How, do you, you know? h- how do you experience uh, Mother's Day now?
1: Well, I talk to her. That's what my plan is. I talk to her every day, really. I talk to her all the time. But I, I know also I'll sit in the garden on that morning and um, just think of her. I... I used to, in the beginning, I used to still buy Mother's Day cards. I I couldn't stand it when I would go and, you know, I used to love picking out cards for her. And I was really a very picky buyer (laughs) because I write. So I I would look at every sentiment to say, is this exactly beautiful enough for her, true enough, well-written enough, pretty enough. And I often got her multiples. And (laughs) so then the year or two after, I would be in the card store and I'd see people. They're looking at the rack like, oh, what the heck, where's that card I got to get? You can just feel it, you know. I'm like, you are so lucky. You're so lucky. So so I try to just have my own private Mother's Day with her. And then also my mother-in-law, whom I feel very lucky that we still have in, in our life, and she's in a nursing home situation. So I feel something I've gotten from mom is to look a little more outward and, and look for other people who need love.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, so that's my focus will be Sunday is, is bringing her the love that,
0: that she deserves. Thank you so much for that, Mary Lou. In the second part of our talk, I'd like to discuss, uh, the God Box project and how that evolved. Um, but for a moment, let's just take a short break for a program ID. This is Kara Hallenbeck, and you're listening to the Godspeed Institute, a program dedicated to spiritually-based living and to religious tolerance. When we return from the break, we'll continue our conversation on The God Box with best-selling author Mary Lou Quinlan. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Godspeed Institute. You're live with care. And we're speaking about women, spirituality, and the God box with bestselling author Mary Lou Quinlan. Now, Mary Lou, in the first part of the program, we discussed your book, the God box and how you discovered the prayers that your mother kept in boxes. Let's discuss the God box project. Now, what is it? And how did did it evolve from the book? Well, I guess because
1: the subject was my mom, I couldn't stop. So when I knew, I started with an article, which was in Real Simple Magazine, and then when I got so much great response to it from readers, I knew I wanted to write the book. But I have to admit that as soon as I knew I wanted to write the book, I knew I wanted to write and perform a one-woman play of the story. Now, I don't usually think that way. I've written other books and I didn't turn them into plays, but And I hadn't acted since I was in college, but it's mom, you know? And she had so much personality, and the story was both funnier and I felt more, even more moving than could be in the pages of a gift memoir that it deserved to be on the stage. And I worked simultaneously on the book and on the play. And the idea of the Godbox Project was to both engage readers uh, and people who see the play in talking about the idea of the God Box and talking about their own memories, uh, their loss, often mother or father stories. So, the com at first is a website. So, people can, I write a blog and I have a Facebook page. We'll, we all have all these things, right? And Pinterest and YouTube and Twitter and all, and, and, to, and put stories up there. And people send me stories. So, I love to post them so we can all share or remember or even cry, which happens sometimes in these notes. Then I developed an app, which is on um, iTunes for free, which is a little God Box, a virtual mobile God Box, so more people could participate. <laughs> that's great, that's <laughs> and, great. Yeah. And then the play, the idea of the play wasn't just to do it once. My, What I've been doing is it's a 70-minute show. It's me as myself, a little bit as my mother, my father, my brother, all different kinds of people. It's a dramatic kind of thing, and, and I can say funny because people laugh a lot. They're surprised that they laugh a lot. And all of the proceeds go to charities related to uh, my mom. So there's uh, cancer and hospice care and also education and largely women-focused health care. So I've been traveling. I've probably done 10 shows this spring, and I did almost that many last fall, and then so far I raised about $150,000. Wow. For charities. Yeah, I know, it's incredible. Well, all the ticket sales go to the charity, and the book profits um, that are there, they all go to them. So I part I just partner with different charities who are, who are interested in staging the God Box, and it doesn't cost them much because they just need to do the basics to get the show out to the city, but I take no fee, and mm-hmm. the sales are theirs, and it's just a joyous way, and all oh, the stories I hear, the stories I'm hearing from people who... They, they come up in tears, and yes. they are, you know, telling me about their loss or their mother, how my mom was like hers. One woman said, I lost my mother four years ago, and I have thought about her more in this one hour mm. than in all that time, because you brought her back to me.
0: Well, that's that's, that's really that's powerful. Box, mm-hmm, that's what the God Box Project is,
1: is taking this story around and bringing hope and, and comfort and then help, just like Mom did with her God Box
0: well, that's that's really powerful because this is, of course, one of the, the primary relationships in our lives is our relationship with our mother, and it runs so deep. And at the same time, we're, we, we're living in a culture these days where it's, uh, you know, emotions aren't necessarily fostered very well, and a lot of people keep things inside, and there's a lot of grief involved. So you're allowing people to connect with that really important inner place of, of grief and in such a positive way that, you know, there's joy coming out of it. I mean, how he doesn't get better than that, Mary Lou. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, and it's just, I'm glad that you said that about today's world because that is so true. So many will say, especially men, you know, they'll come up to me and, and say, these are feelings I have had since I lost my mother, let's just say. No one has put them out there like this, and it's exactly what I felt. Mm. And thank you. And and we need to be able to express and to regard and not just, you know, we don't know what to say to people when they lose someone. We're like, oh, I'm right. so sorry. And in the beginning, we're all over them, maybe for a week. And then we feel, oh, don't say it. It'll make them sad. So we say nothing. And people were walking around carrying these memories. And even the happy ones, they just want someone to let it out. And so that's, I guess, the letting go is the emotional letting go as well of this story and of what we hold inside and that's that's something that my mom gave me as a talent um growing up and being able to be on stage and really do it and so that's what i'm doing that's it's the most exciting job if that's the word it's not mm-hmm. work if you do it for free which i am <laughs> right. that i've ever had in my
0: life no it's it's wonderful and yes yeah, so healing There's a cafe I used to go to in New York when I went to NYU. It's not there anymore. It was called the Grand Cafe Daily Artisti out on Greenwich Avenue. And it was this cafe built in three different rooms. Um, one that was bright and airy by the windows. And then one behind that that was, um, sort of dark with throne like chairs and very romantic, almost goth kind of look to it. And, and then a, <laughs> then there was like a little private cell in the back. And, and in this middle room, there was a table that had a drawer in it. It was like a secret drawer. And customers would go there. We'd open the drawer and there were messages that people would leave. And sometimes it was comments and sometimes it was a question someone was being asked. So you'd go to the drawer and you'd, you know, read the question <laughs> and add your own thought to respond to it and, you know, put it back in there. And it was, it was magical. Um, just this this drawer uh, and this sort of anonymous, wow. this anonymous exchange going on in Greenwich Village. And I just wanted to bring it up because I know we're, you know, we're speaking specifically here about about the Catholic faith and the Catholic Church. But can a person of any faith engage uh, in the God Box Project with you? Because I see so much joy in it and I could see how anybody can benefit from it.
1: Absolutely. I, I've had the experience of presenting the God box in so many different environments. I have presented it in a synagogue, I have presented it in a convent, I presented it in a largely Baptist community, um and in a why, you know, and really everywhere. So and I have found that the resonance is universal. The um my mom, I and I blink I it back to her because she and everybody was in the God box. This was not any it wasn't a Catholic thing, it was in every It's a faith and a believing opportunity, and so that's what she did. Everyone's got cares. Everyone needs to be loved and prayed for, and so she was really open and generous in the way that she approached it, so that's the way I treated it, too. You know, and I learn; I'm learning on the road uh, about different uh, faiths and how people respond to it and where they're more comfortable or less, but when it comes to a mother-daughter love story and, and hope, that's as universal as it gets.
0: Yes, yes it is. I remember I wrote a book called Dear Little One mostly while I was expecting my first uh child and I was commuting on the on Metro North on the train <laughs> in, oh, wow. in New York and and it was a it was a journal. It just started as a journal and just became all these thoughts for now both my kids and sort of to carry them on through life, you know, long after I'm gone. Um so you know to have mom's thoughts as a kind of a spiritual or you know life compass. Um, this is the stuff, Mary Lou. What you're doing—it's so important. And um, I don't know. It just—I just thought about an idea. Perhaps there's an interfaith God box project you can do, where folks could come together and say, uh, "Hey, let's let's write some some prayers for peace and, and tolerance needed. in, in the God needed. box." I,
1: tolerance, particularly. Right? I do have to say, I, I've been asked so many questions that surprise me because I'm—I didn't grow up with anything other than open arms, and so. I don't right. understand boundaries, maybe, <laughs> and, I, right. and so I'm trying to, by just bringing the story around, and, and it, sometimes people come to it and thinking, I don't know if this is for me, you know what I mean? I, or, like, should we bring her? I'm not sure. How will people feel? <laughs> the word God, I mean, you would think, I think if I had called it, like, the murder box, it would have had less <laughs> uh, resistance. There's something about God, and, and I have a line in the play, uh... which is, Let's face it, I have learned that the two most complicated three-letter words in the English language are M-O-M and G-O-D. <laughs> and it's really true. Everybody in New York, I laugh because it's about the mom thing. Right. You know, didn't you hate your mom? That's what mm-hmm. they say. I'm like, no, I loved her. I'm i sorry, I can't make up something. And then the, the God part of it um, is really, it's called the God? Do we have to say God? I know. Thinking, this is crazy. In a, in a country where no matter how we connect, it's um, if it was ever a time that that we need to say out loud, we need help and we need to do it together. It's now.
0: Right. Oh, my gosh. Amen. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, and and you're right. I've I've encountered that as well um, years ago. I mean, you know, Godspeed was a, a show proposal a long time ago. And when I used to work at HBO and Time and places in New York and and I was told you can't have a, a program with the word God in it hmm And, uh, but, you know, so there was always this attempt, especially like in the 80s and 90s, to sort of water down things um,
3: yeah.
0: in sort of an ecumenical way so he wouldn't be offensive. And then I started wondering, well, what exactly are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, know? at some point it isn't anything.
1: That's what I exactly. said. Exactly. If we call it the wish box or the worry right. box, who cares? Right. I mean, it's not, the only reason it's powerful is because Mom really believed that she was giving it over to God. and so that's that's that was non-negotiable for me so that that's why I just and it was as a business person believe and I'm sure you appreciate from the sound of where you were that the business world really gets itchy with the god idea
0: yeah
1: um either secularism I guess or just uh I I don't know everyone's on eggshells um I know so I just I just have a
0: few of them. <laughs> I'm so glad you did, because um, the, the point of saying the God box was to illustrate that relationship that your mom fully enjoyed. Exactly. And, and exactly. that's, it's so empowering. It's, it's wonderful. Now, getting back to your, your other life's work, because you have an enormous career aside of, from, this, from the book, how does this relate, you know, to your focus on women and, and as an authority on women. How, how do you bring it back then to, to integrate with the rest of your career and work?
1: How, how am I making the God Box integrate with my career? That's probably the question of the year. <laughs> 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 um, the, uh, I, the God Box and, and, the, uh, and Just Ask a Woman are not that far from each other, really, in that they are both about women. Um, and so I felt that, gee, I've spent my career trying to understand women. And listening to thousands of strangers, really, and becoming friends with them. And that's why I thought, well, gee, the woman I care about the most is the one I want to focus on now, and that's mom. The more I travel, the more I understand deeper issues about women than I ever could if I were just asking marketing questions. You know, it's one thing to ask, why are you worried about your weight? Or what kind of cosmetics do you use? To ask, who are you as a woman because of your mother? What did she mean to you? What did you learn from her? I mean that the depths of where I am now is miles deeper than I ever was before and um, so I guess for now I, I'm one who I've had a lot of careers I feel reinventing if that's the best way to put it is something I've done many times and so this feels natural to me to follow the desire to expand my talent now and becoming an actress and that is what I do and I'm and training all the time and on stage all the time, and, and still, you know, be a writer and a speaker and an interpreter of women's voices. So as odd as it might seem, somehow it's just my life, so it's just gonna yeah. hanging together.
0: And it's great, because in some ways you've come full circle back to what's most meaningful to you, but now you bring all your skills that you've gained along the way to it. I think your mom is smiling about your job change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. She'd
1: say, this is what you were meant to do. Oh, no, she'd be thrilled. The only uh, thing she wouldn't go for is I have a picture of her in a bathing suit in the show, and I'm sure she would say, why did you uh, do that to me? <laughs> oh. She looks fabulous. I'm so proud of her in this show. It's just a tribute to her and to my dad. They they were such a love story. So it's even though I cry and people say, how can you do this show time and time again when your mother dies? And it's just, it's mm. I feel with her. I feel she's on stage with me, and I... I know that what we're doing is helping other people for telling it. So Hmm.
0: it's energizing. Now, what you said before about, you know, the questions are changing from weight and cosmetics. Well, you know, gosh, in today's culture and society, especially in, I guess, in the West, the entire focus for women, you know, in terms of marketing seems to be on things like weight and cosmetics. Um, uh, to the point of, you know, kids, girls having real issues uh, with themselves and their self-image. So um, that's quite a shift. Uh, now, can I ask you then, among all these other, you know, all these things that you know about women from your background, what can you share about women's spirituality? Is there something unique about women's spirituality and perhaps relating to healing and to grief and the kind of things um, that you're sharing about? Well, what I've
1: found in in traveling, and it is often women who book me and women's organizations who um, are the the sponsors or the the partnering charities, they are very comfortable one-on-one and with other women like themselves in in talking about their faith and their worries and their needs and uh, reaching out and supporting each other, whether it's in prayer or in human company. it may not be something that they wear on their sleeves, but it is something very alive and vital in their homes and among their friends. So that's why I wonder, you know, when you mentioned um, sort of the outside world, why as, um, as marketers, as people in business, um, we are assuming, because we don't feel, whoever we are, comfortable talking about these things, that the women that we're trying to attract feel the same. That's not true. They're very comfortable with it. And, uh, and eager really for a forum where they can have more shared conversations like we're having here right now. I mean, the women, I've been hundreds of them, thousands at this point, I could imagine them in a forum with us having this conversation in front of them and they would be just chomping at the bit to participate. So it's an untapped truth that, um, I think we have to get out of our way and start to listen to women. Talk about what they talk about when the microphones are off and uh, and see if there isn 't a way to engage them through this kind of honest conversation mm.
0: yes, yes, because you know it 's all about family and uh, you know whether it 's our family or you're just the human family, I find after several years of doing this program with you know religious and spiritual leaders around the world, we talk long enough to someone we will wind up talking about the same things. Um, And that's one of the reasons why this is a a no bully zone in terms of uh, religious discussion. It might be the only one out there in the media, but we're not fighting about it here. It's not a clash of ideas kind of a show. It's a tell us who you really are and what you feel and what you believe. And I'm telling you, Mary Lou, nine times out of 10, no matter who it is, uh, you know, Sufi, a rabbi, uh, whatever, we wind up discussing family and matters of the heart. And, as a great, great you know connecting bottom line between all people, so I can definitely see um, all the beauty and meaning in your work and how you 've brought your spirituality to a real fullness here around around this topic and there 's so much love you know you can just feel it there 's so much love, and uh, I do believe that is really what is most needed today
1: it is it is and and being willing to be um Open about what hurts, uh, being willing to say that I'm I'm praying for this, or that I'm that I'm open to your way of approaching God. Uh, you know, starting a God box. I always encourage people to think about. I, don't, I never want to preach. You know, and to say here's what you ought to do, must do. I can only say this is what worked for Mom, and it's starting to work for me. And by work, I mean give comfort. I don't the the idea that God box was never to say, put it in there and it will happen. <laughs> that wasn't the idea. It was it was just to ask for God's consideration and 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 peace. And so whether people do it as a family, which is lovely, I've heard of married couples, newlyweds doing it, of mothers and children, little kids doing it. I mean little kids carry a lot of speaking of bullying, you know, fears and worries around that to have a place that's safe to write their thoughts is important, and uh, so it's. it can be a very healing and hopeful practice.
0: Huh, that's know, wonderful you know, suggestions.
1: Yeah. yeah, so, you know, we all need places to go, and families need ways to talk, and, and not just to talk or argue, but to think, how can we get help together, and what's important to us as a family or as mm-hmm. individuals. And so it's just the, the writing it down is a therapy in itself mm. uh, and articulating it, and then the folding it and putting it in the box and closing the lid or whatever is the way of finishing. Um, it's just there's something about that feeling the first time that I did it, which was writing a note asking God to take my dad, who was in the final, final stages of mm. um, cancer and losing him. I just didn't know what to do. I know that when I put that note in that box, I never felt anything like that before in my life, um, of relief and belief, and and felt my mother's hand on mine. That's what I felt, not to be spooky to anybody, but I'm (sighs) telling you, I felt she's here, that's what she was trying to teach me all along.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Mary Lou. Now, I know that you're touring with the show. I know, for example, you're going to be out in the Midwest. You'll be doing the show at Creighton University and, and the commencement address there as well. Are you touring elsewhere?
1: Well, I just finished this, this spring tour. I have two more shows left for the spring. One is May 25th in Freehold, New Jersey at a place called Applewood Estates Theater. And that is for grief recovery group. And then, as you said, um, the May 19th show, which I'm so excited about, in Omaha in the Harper Auditorium on Creighton University's campus. That's a two o'clock show, and it benefits the Hospice House, which is all of the hospice um, programs associated with hospitals in Omaha. So. I'm just delighted, so anyone can, can check that out. It's um, our website, always list events, thegodboxproject.com, so we list all our shows. So, right now, what I'm doing is booking the fall, and mm. I would invite any of your listeners who think, oh my gosh, would she come out here to do it for our cancer organization, or hospice care, or a women's Absolutely. You know, spirituality? Absolutely. Absolutely, just write to me. It's so easy on the guide box, and we start talking and we work it out, and I'm, I can't wait to hit the road again in the
0: fall. Oh that's wonderful and you know in this in this environment in which healthcare is just being you know cut and cut and cut you know so many programs uh, across the nation um this is a very helpful uh, charity that that you're doing uh so beautifully and an offering of yourself as we come to the uh near the end of the interview I do want to let listeners know that all of your website and contact and book information will be posted shortly online at godspeedinstitute.com and um, I also want to, as we come to the near the end of the interview, to, to thank you uh, for this wonderful time together and to ask you if there was anything else you wanted to share today. Any other final thoughts with our with our listeners?
1: Well, I guess one would be, I do hope that, that your listeners do take a look at the book um, in that it's... As people see it, usually they think of someone else. That the first thought is, "Oh my gosh, my sister needs this," or someone who is alone and grieving, or hopeful, or misses and loves a mom needs this. So it's it's as much for yourself as for someone you love that you haven't even thought of. Um, and the other one, I guess is with Mother's Day right here, I'd say, "Love your mother," and whether that's in person or not, <laughs> I would say that you are so lucky. We, we, I don't think the depth of our mother's love will ever be fully revealed to us. Most mothers keep it inside. Um, Mine kept so much, you know, in the God box. So I just wish a happy Mother's Day and mother love to
0: everyone. Oh, thank you so much, Mary Lou. Just like, uh, just like Mary, she, she, uh, held these treasures in her heart. That's what mothers do. I just want to thank you. I've got tears in my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) and um, (laughs) it's okay it's good it's very good it's love and uh, i just want to thank you so much again and wish you the very best of luck uh with the book and the tour and i look forward to whatever comes next uh your next book please be sure to share with us as well and uh and stay in touch
1: i will thank you so much i enjoyed the interview
0: It's lovely that Mary Lou Quinlan shared the experience of her mom and their relationship in life and in death as well. Not everyone has this kind of experience, this kind of blessing, this type of relationship with their mom or parents. So a day like Mother's Day can be experienced differently for different people. Nonetheless, it can be just as spiritual for everyone. And so with that, here's a tip for your spiritual tool belt that you wrap around yourself each day. At some point in the program, we uh, discuss the saints several times uh, in the Catholic tradition. And as listeners may know, I have a fair amount of experience uh, and knowledge in the life of uh, St. Francis of Assisi and uh, his counterpart, St. Clair of Assisi their life, their conversion, and how they forged the Franciscan orders, Uh, one of the peaks in the timeline, I believe, of Christianity. But it wasn't easy, necessarily, and they each, in fact, had different relationships with their parents. For example, the entire issue of Francis's change, his conversion of heart, created a confrontation between the will of his father on earth and his father in heaven, In the end, Francis would make his choice. As a young man, he stood in the public square of Assisi, before the townspeople and clergy, and in a moment both painful and freeing, returned all his possessions, the clothes he was wearing on his back, and even his name, to his father. Divine love had broken the bonds of childhood, and Francis would walk away from Assisi, a new Adam, Free to face his open future. God's call to Francis was also a call to his parents. Francis's mother and father, the most important relations in his life to that point, would need to learn to reimagine their son and the roles and meaning of family if they were going to continue in relationship. If they did not answer God's call to grow, they would live a kind of half life as parents cut off in their grief. Sadly, they were not able to support Francis on his journey. The family is a system. It's different members working together somehow, finding a way to live in health, enjoyment, struggle, or suffering. When one of the members finds it necessary to go a different way, it presents a jolt to the entire system, like a wrench in the gears the other members are also thrown off-kilter. Like Francis, the one who decides to take a different path may be looked upon as a traitor. Many who have answered the call to religious life have experienced this. Also, many of those who have gone through the life-death-rebirth journey of divorce and remarriage and others in the process of a 12-step recovery. One motion toward new life can send shockwaves of change throughout our relations like ripples across the face of a pond. The family is a storyteller carrying on the myth of generations. Some sons and daughters write new stories that may or may not reflect the well-worn tradition or myth of the family. Can the family incorporate their new stories, celebrating their part of the myth? Can a new chapter be added? Or must a new book begin? When we pray together, is there one way to pray, bonding the family with the strong mortar of familiar words? Or is there also room to pray differently, with changing voices and words, inviting the Spirit to breathe over our thoughts and meals and rituals? For Francis, the answer might be no. For Claire, the family, situation would be different. Her relationship with her family would continue throughout her life. In fact, her mother and sisters would later join her in religious life, living with the poor Clares, or the second order of St. Francis. Now, in either case, whether supported or not by blood relations, God would be there for Francis and Clare, lighting their way And yours, with love. And thank you listeners for joining us for the Godspeed Institute today. The Godspeed Institute is an independent educational organization dedicated to promoting religious tolerance and spiritually based living if you'd like to hear this or any of our previous programs again or send it to someone simply go to Godspeedinstitute.com please send your comments to info at Godspeedinstitute.com we always enjoy hearing from you and join us again as we continue to explore all the world's religions and spiritual belief systems until then We wish you Godspeed on your journey.